Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. How is everyone out there? Are you hanging in there with all of this COVID-19 still around us, still coming in on our space and invading our freedom and our, our safety? It's a strange time, isn't it? And we're all trying to figure out how to survive this very difficult time. Never before have we experienced something like this. And so we're kind of in unknown waters here. But now where we are in Texas, and I'm thinking in different states in the United States, for those that live outside of the United States, we're in a controlled re-entry into our daily routine outside of our homes. So the stay at home is still wanted by many people because we just don't know who to trust. (laughs) We don't know if it's safe, and we probably will never be totally safe feeling until there is a virus, a vaccine for the virus, probably, which is months away from becoming a reality. But our leadership is not maintaining its original uh, guidelines of quarantining people that have been exposed to COVID-19. And they do, and um, waiting for the decrease of cases. So it's kind of a mm, uncharted waters we are living in. Now, with the responsibility falling on the states, which is how it's ended up, each state is moving fast, but hopefully responsibly, in re-entering the workforce. I, I get it. It's a tough place for so many of us. We're actually being asked asked to choose between safety and financial security. And that is tough, tough for so many people that are suffering. So the main thing that I want to leave you with today, if you are in the place where you have more freedom to choose, that you choose what is right for you. If you are like me, a single woman that's living um, alone, I don't have to depend on somebody else in my household to give me their opinions nor to influence my decisions. I know for me, I've chosen to stay the safe route. I still wear all of the precautions. I still wear the mask. I still wear the gloves. I still wear the limited. I only go to the grocery store and maybe pick up food and maybe go to the post office. I'm still very limited. But the main thing here is that 
you do what is comfortable for you. Because if you do what is comfortable for somebody else in your household and not for you, if you're influenced by friends or family, you will increase your stress level to the point that you will compromise your immune system. Really. So I really want to maintain for you and give you permission to do what is comfortable for you. Don't be influenced by what takes place in the next couple weeks, but what makes you comfortable in living the, the lifestyle that you want to live. So, you know, it's an ultimate difficult decision still. We each need to really research ourselves, make sure that we're comfortable, and then we can move forward with whatever we decide. There isn't a right wrong until you get COVID-19, and then it's kind of a risky thing. So anyway, I wish you well in making this decision as we continue to work our way through a very, very, very difficult life that we're living now. Sort of turning us to another part of our lives in the program today, our guest today works with the brain. And I am a big advocate of supporting our brains and helping our brains work for us. You know, it's become so popular over the last few years that we talk more and more and more about how our brain is influenced and and affects our way of living. Marilyn Abrahamson um, is a speech-language pathologist and an Amen Clinic certified brain health coach. Now, she's born with a passion for brain health and education. Marilyn has created preventative and innovative brain health and education programs designed to teach people how to optimize memory and thinking skills and stave off symptoms of age-related cognitive changes and dementia through modified lifestyle changes in choices and functional memory strategies. Now, Marilyn is currently focused her energy on her new program, Be Sharp and Stay Sharp, in which she incorporates training modules with both private and group coaching sessions to guide women to achieve their ultimate potential in their life and in their careers. So, Marilyn, I can hardly wait to get on this subject. You know I'm big about I love the brain. I love the brain. Oh, hi, <laughs> so, Grace. Um, I didn't think anybody loved the brain more than I did, but you never know. <laughs> no, it, is, it is the most fascinating subject, really. I have just become so aware of I never until I got this age. Of course, I'm at the age where I see things changing, and mm-hmm. um, I because of those changes, I went, "Oops, what's happening here?" Yeah. So there's a big thing that happens as we age. Talk about that to us. We already well, are aware of it, but what is it? Why is it happening to us? Well, I can tell you those changes happen way before we feel them. But 
you know, a lot of people, if they're really paying attention, will start to notice these changes happening maybe in their 40s. Um, some people notice them a little bit earlier than that, nothing serious. And, you know, those changes are normal. There are normal things that happen to our brains. And a lot of it has to do with how active we are, both both intellectually as well as physically. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have, you know, I'm not talking about genetic changes. I'm talking about the normal changes that happen to us. And interestingly, it, it turns out that a lot of it has to do with brain size. Oh. And yes. And, and for example, if, um, if you took a CAT scan of somebody's mm-hmm. brain in their 20s, and 30s, mm-hmm. you'd find that the brain takes up most of the skull. There's very little space between the edge of the, the brain and the inside of the skull. But if you take a, the same person, take a CAT scan 20 or 30 years later, you're going to notice that space is a little bit bigger. Mm. That's what it's all about. Now, this is actually very exciting, believe it or not. And the reason that that's exciting is because we can actually do some things that will keep our brain big and voluminous. And big and voluminous brain is what's going to correlate directly with how well we remember things, how much we're able to pay attention and focus, and how fast we can respond to things. Hmm. So I've always... I've. I've always thought, and in my mind, I made this decision all by myself, that when I was get, would forget a name, you know, I'd be trying to talk with somebody, and I couldn't remember Sally Joe's name, or I couldn't remember a location. I'd always sort of breathe and kind of give myself some space, thinking that little blood vessel that works that part of the brain <laughs> was just so stressed. It had no blood in it. <laughs> So is that sort of thinking right, or is that what really happens when we get in those situations where we can't remember names, we can't remember location names? Well, think about this. Sometimes you hear a person's name, they introduce themselves to you, and two seconds later you can't remember it. Have you ever had that happen to you? Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people think that this is a problem with memory. But it is absolutely not a problem with memory. It's a problem with attention. And, you know, I don't want your listeners to take this the wrong way because this isn't coming from me. But <laughs> mm-hmm. basically okay. the problem we is promise. when people, okay, when people tell us their names, in many uh-huh. cases, we don't care enough <laughs> to really pay attention when they're saying the name. Because what are we thinking about? We're thinking, oh, that's a nice haircut. Or I wonder where she got that blouse, right? Or, boy, I should remember to put milk on my shopping list later. Meanwhile, they're introducing themselves and we're not listening. Yes. Now, does that have anything to, I mean, I'm I'm assuming you're talking about focus here. But mm -hmm. if we tend to be sort of ADD, are these people more likely to have memory uh, or focus issues? Yeah. And, it, you know, because they're more likely to have difficulty focusing, you know, overall. Um, yeah. You know, there are strategies that people can do, and they're very simple strategies. I tell people that there are two things that you have to do to remember a name. 
The first mm-hmm. thing you have to do is you have to consciously switch on your attention. And you can do that by saying something to yourself. So for me, if I see somebody, and, and by the way, this takes practice and time because you want it to become second nature. But if I see somebody coming toward me and their hand is out, you know, like they're going to shake my hand, um, which people aren't going to really be doing anymore. Uh, but in the meantime, if someone's going to be introducing themselves to me, in my mind, I have made it a habit to say to myself, okay, what's the name? Yeah. And I oh. tell my students, don't, don't worry about what you say to yourself. Just let something come to you. People just say to themselves, okay, pay attention. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But what it does is it switches on your attention like a light bulb, you know, like a, like a lamp. Mm-hmm. And it, any, any, any memory strategy that you do, really all it does is it forces you to pay attention. You cannot do a memory strategy unless you're paying attention. Mm. The second thing that you need to do to remember a name is to give it meaning. You have to make some sort of connection. Now, I, I was teaching this class um, a couple of years ago in a town, I live in New Jersey, um, in a town called Monroe Township. Mm-hmm. And I'm teaching this class, and I said, um, you know, my name is Marilyn, and, and what kind of associations can we make with Marilyn? And somebody said, oh, you're Marilyn in Monroe, like that. Yeah. And people kind of chuckled. Now, what was interesting about the child, I mean, it wasn't hysterical, but it was kind of cute and very yes. catchy. And what that did was it created an emotion. Now, when I, when I say emotion, it doesn't have to be a big emotion, but just some little emotion, which means that it has meaning to you. So mm-hmm. the fact that it was kind of a chuckle meant that people got the joke, you know, and that it right. had meaning. And now... Nobody in that class will, will forget my name strictly because we had that meaningful exchange about my name, Marilyn and Monroe. Ha ha. That was the meaning, the connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, if anybody would ever automatically just introduce themselves that way. Hi, I'm Marilyn, as in Marilyn Monroe. Do, that would be I mean, <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I took a Dale Carnegie course because mm-hmm. I've always been challenged by remembering names, even when I was younger. And I do have some ADD issues. And so I took the Dale Carnegie course, but I couldn't remember the their involved a process to remember the names. It was like I had to remember. It, I, it was so, um, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I Have haven't taken done the Dale case- Carnegie course, but, but I can tell you that to remember names is a, is a two-step process. <laughs> you don't have to remember too much. Yes, yes. I think this had about 15 steps in it. That was probably the pros, the problem for me. But right. uh, I like that. I think that would be a wonderful tool to help somebody take over that member, remembering the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. So when we, what is the age that we prime, you said 45 is when we start. Mm-hmm. Starting recognizing some memory loss. I think that it's different for everybody. I think that um, 
you know, not only does it depend on the person, it, you know, it, it depends on, you know, do they work for a living? Do they challenge themselves? And uh-huh. how, how, you know, how much are they even paying attention to it? But the first thing I think that people will notice, most of the women that I speak with, actually men too, mm-hmm. is processing speed slows down. In other words, getting the words out is a little bit harder. Um, when you hear something, it may take a few extra seconds to totally mm-hmm. process it. Sometimes we find that when we read, this is a combination of uh, attention and processing speed, but when we read, we might have to read things a couple of times, uh, you know, to really get it. Yes. So the processing mm-hmm. speed really is uh, one of the first things we notice. People who really know me and, and my students know, because I tell this story, is when my kids were younger, you know, I have two sons, and it was just me and them at the kitchen table. And, you know, if you if you raise sons, you know that there comes a time when they get a little older, they don't have that much to talk about with their mother. Mm-hmm. And I really did want to engage them in conversation. So what we did yeah. was we would watch Jeopardy and play Jeopardy during dinner, just so that I could kind of engage with them. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty good at it, but I found over time that suddenly, even though I kind of knew the answers in my head, I couldn't mm-hmm. get them out in time for the buzzer. And I would say to oh. my kids, but I knew the answer. And they'd say, sure, mom, you knew the answer. But I did. <laughs> yes. And that's when I yeah. realized that my processing speed was slowing down. I tell that story all the time. <laughs> um, but it is so true. I mean, that was like a turning point for me when I realized mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are nodding their heads right now because it is such a common thing. Yes. Yeah. So when that process of slowing down begins, what did you do to take on the challenge of doing to increase the function of the brain? Well, initially, at that time, um, although, you know, as a speech-language pathologist, I did have to know about the brain because I did work with patients with stroke and brain injuries and things like that, but I, mm-hmm. didn't, um, I didn't really know the nuances of, of brain coaching, you know, brain training. So at that mm-hmm. time, I tried, you know, I, I was working, I was doing, I, I got a Lumosity subscription, I was doing lots of crossword <laughs> puzzles and reading, and none of it was really good. I mean, I, I think those things were good for my brain. I don't think that <laughs> that it was bad, um, right. but it didn't really help. Mm. So, yes. um, it didn't. So, nothing really helped until I started to realize, um, you know, that even my job seemed like it was getting a little harder. And I was in my late forties at that time, and really starting to panic a little bit because I didn't know what was going on. And I had this low level anxiety because I felt like I had so much work and not enough time to do it. And it was yes. the same job that I had done for 30 years at that point. So I didn't understand what was changing. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, that was a tough time. But what really, really changed things was I created a brain health program at the hospital where I was working just because that's what I was asked to do. And I mm-hmm. had to study the brain and learn about the nuances of how to manage the changes. And what I discovered was that our brains change just like the rest of our bodies do, like our knees and our joints and our backs. But we don't mm-hmm. have trouble. We don't have any difficulty compensating for those things because 
if we get down on the floor to pick something up, we can put our hands on a table to support us as we get up or to kind of pull ourselves up. We know how to compensate for the body, but we don't know how to compensate unless we're taught how. We don't know how to compensate for our changing brain, and we're trying to use it the same way we did when we were 25 years old. And, of course, no wonder it doesn't work the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I built this program, a lot of the women, you know, I worked in a hospital with 5,000 employees, and, of course, I didn't even know, you know, a tenth of those people, or <laughs> I knew even less than that. Um, but when this program came out and the employees found out about it, I started getting a lot of women knocking on my door who I, I hadn't met before, and they would stop me in the hallway, and I met a lot of coworkers. But what I learned was that this problem is real, was that mm. this, this problem of women, you know, mostly in their 50s, but certainly in their 40s, um, mm. are experiencing changes that make them nervous. You know, they wonder, they wonder what's going on, especially if they have a family history of memory disorder in their family. Yeah. And, and we worked together. And, you know, a lot of them were already considering quitting their jobs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still get emails from them today. I worked with them just at lunch. You know, we just did things at lunch and after work and things like that. And I talked to them and gave them strategies. And I get emails all the time from them. And this is, you know, seven years ago. <laughs> Yes. years ago, four years ago, they're still working and they're still succeeding. And that's when I discovered my love of working with women in this demographic. Why do you think that women are so, um, I would think the, the male brain versus the female brain is the same. Is it because of our environment, our working compared to our, I don't understand why, well, I, I know I'm going to say, step out and say, I think women are more about asking for support and guidance when they f- find a problem that they don't like than the male is. And that I'm reflecting only on a woman will ask for directions when driving and feeling lost much quicker than a man will. So that's yeah. kind of where yeah. I came with that logic. But well, do you have more information on why a a man handles memory loss differently? I would think they have the same memory loss. They have similar memory loss. I think that one of the main reasons why women experience it so much more dramatically is because of the sudden loss of estrogen that happens around the time of menopause. And estrogen Ah. has a surprising amount of responsibility in the brain, which particularly with regard to um, different aspects of our cognition, but particularly with regard to word retrieval and language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just general memory and, and you know, forget, forgetfulness will, will be caused by that sudden drop of estrogen as well. But, you know, there are other variables as well. There were men that came to me, but maybe one-tenth the amount of men. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there is a machismo factor <laughs> there. Yes. They don't want to be seen as weak, but... Um, you know, there's a mindset um, with women, not just that they're more likely to reach out for help, which is a wonderful thing for us. You know, I, yes. I think that that's a huge positive. But just in terms of how quickly we beat ourselves up, um, you know, when things don't go well. 
So mm-hmm. in other words, one of the first things that I deal with in my program, which is actually called Brainworks Academy, um, in the program, the first thing we, we work on is mindset. Now, for example, I, I, you know, people say to me all the time, oh, I'm terrible with names or I can't remember anything or, you know, things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I teach them a little strategy and they're amazed at how well their brains work. And so mm-hmm. I say to them, so from now on, if you forget someone's name, which is going to happen because we're all human, right? right? I just tell them, just say, well, I forgot because I didn't do the strategy, not because ugh, I'm horrible with names. I mean, we say things to ourselves that we wouldn't say to our worst enemies. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, you know, there's so much mindset that has to do with it. People function so much. Um, they can they can function so much better than they think that they can or that they that they currently are functioning. Mm-hmm. There's so much more potential if they just know how to tap it. Yeah, we tend, I think we tend to be really hard on ourselves. And of course, anybody knows that with those words we say to ourselves, our limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. that just keep us stuck in the old pattern. So I love the way that you use that, um, the analogy of twisting it into a positive reinforcement. Yeah, Yeah, that's really great. It's really important to do. Now, do you think that the loss of the reading skill that we used to have. We used to read so much more. Now we live in a world where we listen more than we read. And for those people I know, um, they are always pushing reading. I'm many leaders and coaches and leaders in business. They, they maintain a reading library of one book a month. Um, this is pretty common with most of the people that I talk with. So mm-hmm. I think I'm quite, is reading that important to us? Yeah. Reading is so important to us. And, you know, a lot of us are, are losing that skill. Yeah. Frankly, I actually prefer reading something to listening to an audio book. Mm. I really do. I, I even got, I thought maybe, you know, maybe it was just a time thing, and I, I bought an app called Blinkist, which gives you a, like a summary, audio summary of books, and I still uh-huh. didn't like it. For me, reading is just preferable. It sort of takes me away, and, you know, I can, I can just <laughs> shut my brain down and read a story, but reading and writing, that's, mm-hmm. why, um, that's why it's so important to journal. Yes. Mm-hmm. All of those things, we don't want to lose those neural pathways because, you know, everything that we do, everything, not just, you know, reading and walking and talking, but even breathing, you know, everything that we do has neural pathways in the brain that are associated with it. Mm-hmm. And earlier in our call, when we first started talking, I was talking about uh, brain size. We want to keep our brain big and voluminous. Mm-hmm. As we get older... Many of us, not all of us, but many of us tend to do less. We don't feel like going to the book club anymore. We, maybe yeah. we retire. Think about all of the neural pathways in your brain associated with your job. Yeah. All We're going to take up. Marilyn, I'm going to break in here. We're going to take a brief uh, break for commercial audience, and then we'll come back. I want to talk more about that size of the brain for sure. So we'll be back shortly. 
Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Now we've been talking today about the brain. Marilyn Abrahamson has shared with us about her fascinating studies of the brain. Um, And so Marilyn, one thing that we talked about earlier, you know, and I, I'm always thinking, well, you know, as I'm, as I'm aging, I'm putting on more weight and there's always that struggle, but it seems so strange that our brain is working in the opposite direction and shrinking. So I'd like for us to talk a little bit more about that. It's so important, Joyce, but what's even more important to know, because that sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? What's more important to know is that we can stop that from happening. There are ways to stop it. Yes. So let me tell you. So the neural pathways that are associated with all of our skills, we were talking about that earlier. Mm -hmm. When we stop doing things, when we stop going places, when we stop um, learning new things, when we stop, uh, you know, skiing, you know, anything that we stop doing as we age, the neural pathways that are associated with those skills begin to wither. If we play the piano and we stop doing it, fortunately, they do stay in there for quite a period of time, even if we're not using them. But they wither away and they take up no space And when enough neural pathways wither, the brain does not have to stay that, you know, same size in order to accommodate it. So what Mm. happens is it will shrink. And that's when we're going to see all of these changes taking place, these changes in memory and attention. Now, there are several things that we can do to make our brains basically grow again. We can do that. The first thing, very important, is we need a chemical in the brain called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which which is BDNF. And there are things that cause us to release this this chemical to help our brains grow new neural pathways. One is exercise. Physical exercise has been shown to cause a release in this chemical of this chemical into the brain. The other thing is uh, I call it neurobics. Um, but it's, it's change of routine, keeping your brain switched on. So, for example, taking a different route 
to common places than you normally do. Um, changing your routine in the morning, using your, uh, you've heard of this, using your opposite hand to brush your teeth or hold your utensils, mm. things yes. like that. Keeping your brain switched on. Um, we play in my house occasionally, we play neurobic ping pong. <laughs> we switch hands to the opposite. Um, and what's interesting oh. is, you know, when you first start doing these things, you're clumsy. You know, when we play ping pong, the ball is flying everywhere. But within 10 or 15 minutes, you can see that you, de- you start to develop the skill. You make the connection in your brain. You got to keep doing it in order to create change. But yeah. there you have it. And when you see yourself improving in skills that were, you know, you were very clumsy with initially, that you can, you can actually see the neuroplastic changes in your brain taking place. And if you pay attention to that, it's actually quite fascinating and you want to keep doing it more and more. But what's really important is that by doing these, by continuing to make all these connections, you are keeping your brain big and voluminous. And that's how we keep it functioning at its potential. Wow, that's that's even a more exciting reason to exercise. I mean, really yeah. get out and walk. I mean, uh, is just doing the walking, is that enough exercise to affect the size of the brain? Yes. Now, from what I've read in the research, that mm-hmm. exercise that gets your heart rate up, cardio, will uh-huh. affect this thing that we call neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to change and adapt in response to new learning and new experiences, and your brain will continue to to work well if you continue to do these things. So cardio is very important for that. And strength training is important as well for things like attention and some things that we call executive functions, like decision-making and organization and planning skills. So different types of exercise are going to affect your brain differently. But, you know, I mean, most of, most people who are really in, you know, great shape are doing all of these different types of exercises. So that's really the key. Right. Yeah. Well, I can just from this, just this, is so beneficial to me, Marilyn. I can see where I need to get out on the do some walking and do some lifting and other things mm-hmm. that I just haven't. I'm just not an exerciser. So right. I'm going to change, Marilyn. That's great. And I'm Joy. going to think of you every time I walk. I'm going to say, Marilyn, <laughs> I'm doing this with your help. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Call me and I'll walk here and we can talk on the phone and walk together. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll call you and we can talk. <laughs> now, I, have you heard of Jim Quick? Oh, yes. He just wrote a book, which I actually just purchased. <laughs> yes, I did too. He's just amazing with his books, he and he's become quite quite a thing. He helps um, people remember scripts. I mean, he does all sorts of talented things and has really built a successful career through his own path where he was a limited, felt defective as a young person. And now he Mm -hmm. has sort of taken on and been successful in creating his brain, this this work with the brain, which was a result of his growth growing up. So I actually tried one of the things that he was doing in that little mini series prior to selling his book. Uh It might have been on that same call. He, He actually did suggest we change hands to brush our teeth. 
And yeah. I tried it, and I am so with you. That is so awkward. I mean, it is. Ah, oh, it was difficult. But um, so, anyways, that's another source for listeners out there to um, to get his book as well. But yeah, to, there's um, some, there's also folks. a book called Keep Your Brain Alive. Uh-huh. by Lawrence Katz and Manning Rubin, and that is the book where where the term neurobics, meaning switching things up, you know, where that term actually originated from. Ah. And all of the neurobic, yeah, and in fact, you can even Google neurobics and, and so many ideas for what you can do to, um, you know, to kind of switch up the routine. You know, the idea behind doing these things is to use neural pathways in the brain to complete a task that you normally wouldn't use it for. So, for example, if you hold, if you're right-handed and you brush your teeth with your right hand, mm-hmm. when you do it with your left hand, you're using neural pathways that are are sort of neglected. Yes, mm-hmm. and and withering. So, what you do is you wake those up, and so now you have more neural pathways that are lit up in your brain. The idea, you want your your brain to to light up like a Christmas tree, basically, Mm -hmm. and you want to use as much of it as you can as often as you can. And listen, you know, I love routines because they get me out really quickly in the morning, but routines get you out quickly. Why? Because you don't have to think when you're doing them, and that's Uh. not a good thing. Yes. Now, spell that neurobics. It's us. N-E-U-R-O-B-I-C-S. Neurobics. All right. For those people out there that want to look it up. So tell me or share with my audience where they can go to find your work. In other words, you do have the Brain Work Academy. You do work with mm-hmm. clients one-on-one and in group programs. And so where can they go to find your work, to, like your they website? Can, I do have a website. It's www.marilynabrahamson.com. Mm-hmm. And, and you might spell I, Abrahamson. Spell your last name, it's, please. It's Marilyn is M-A-R-I-L-Y-N. Abrahamson is A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S-O-N, and that's all one word, dot com. Okay. And you can see everything I do there, and there's also a contact us form on there. And if you fill that in, I will respond to you. Now, is that also where I know you're offering for my listeners a freebie today? Is that also where they can find the freebie? I think the freebie is on there. It's called the Clear Your Mind Boost Your Productivity Toolkit. I'll actually have to check and see if it's on there. Um, but I, I know I gave you the link to that as well. If it's not on there, I'm going to do that. I'll put that, I'll make sure that it's accessible um, as soon as we get off the podcast. Oh, that would be wonderful. 
That way, I want people to go because your website is just crammed full of good information. Um, It has on there um, where they can actually get a clarity session with you. If somebody is saying, I want more Maryland, I need Maryland. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Right. And and uh, And that session is free. Oh, awesome. So the, so it's called a, a brain health coaching clarity call. And right. how long is it? It's 30 minutes or? It's a 30 to 45 minutes. And yeah. we dig kind of deep into what, you know, what kind of experiences people are having and whether it's something that should spark concern, um, you know, or whether it's just normal changes that we go through because, you know, people do, they don't know and, and they're scared, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're afraid. And so it's good to have somebody to kind of bounce the ideas off of. And if it's, you know, if it's a good fit and if it's something that I think I can help people with, then I, then I offer help. Yes. So you have all your background with pathology, which is speech and language pathology, where you spent how many years with that? Seven or eight. I'm still practicing, actually. Yeah, I'm still practicing. So I think 1986, 34, 35 years, something like that. Um, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I I worked, but I worked, you know, with people to improve their cognition. I worked with people who have had strokes and brain injuries and and trying to get people's brains to to come back from, uh, from significant decline. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the women I work with now think they're declining, but mm-hmm. really all they're doing is changing. Changing. And it's, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Yeah. That is so interesting that you put it that way because changing doesn't seem as harsh as declining, does it? We're Not all changing. All, no. I mean, even with this virus, we're, our lives have changed through this. It's always just a matter of, of, Reorganizing mm-hmm. from yeah. the change. Now, you also um, did some work with Amen Clinics, which I have had the fortune of, of getting involved with them because of my own mm-hmm. story. But um, how did you decide and why did you decide to do their um, – you, you were certified through their coaching program, correct? Yes. Initially, I took a course um, called the Neuroscience Academy because I really wanted to do a deep dive into the brain more than what I had been doing, you know, the prior 30 years or the mm-hmm. prior 25 years, however long ago that was. And it was amazing, uh, that course, but I was just really hungry for knowledge. And I saw Dr. Amon's course um, to become a certified brain health coach. And it was also different information, but incredible because as you can imagine, the, the, the information and knowledge that you can gain about the brain is pretty much endless. <laughs> There's always yes. more to learn. Um, and so it was a great experience becoming a certified brain health coach because what's really nice is that especially now in this time when we're kind of working alone in isolation in rooms, in our homes, you know, things like that. I have a community of other brain health coaches um, from the Amen clinics that I can always, you know, we bounce ideas off of each other and we, we talk to each other and we support each other. And it's very nice. Yeah. It's really a nice thing to have. 
You alluded earlier to firing the brain up. One of the things that Dr. Amons does at his clinics um, is, and he does have a big service for the brain, the damaged brain, those that from illness or or accidents or many other causes. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, And so he also has this ability to put um, a liquid, and you probably could be more specific than I, but you can actually take pictures of your brain and see where you stand. I have some dementia and Alzheimer's in my family, and so it was very important to me to go and get that testing. And so it was very interesting, my experience there. And I walked away, you know, when we could find answers, we're just not as scared as we were. You know, we haven't really in our minds built up this horrendous picture of gloom and doom. And so it was kind of really a beneficial for me to go and experience Dr. Amon's um, process. So, right. and he's, well, and he's got those clinics all over the United States. I think they originated in California, but um, mm-hmm. you know, so I know there's one here in New York as well. Um, you know, Dr. Amon mentioned in his course that psychiatry, he's a psychiatrist. Um, that that it's the only medical profession where we we don't look inside. You know, doc, physicians mm-hmm. have X-rays and gastroenterologists do endoscopies and other things like yeah. that. But yeah. psychiatrists don't. And it was very important to him because he knew that there were many many reasons for people to be symptomatic. Mm-hmm. And. Without looking inside, basically what's happening is we're just treating everybody the same way, regardless yeah. of why it's happening. And yeah. and I happen to agree with him there. I think that that's very important to know why. And he discovered through those spectrograph studies that there are something like seven different types of ADD. Ah, and really? Because of that, he treats them differently. Yeah, different uh-huh. areas of the brain light up. He, yes. he even did research on, on people's brains in prison and noticed a lot of similarities between the people that, you know, murdered people, mm. you know, certain areas of the brain lighting up. So it is really, really important that we continue to study the brain. It's not only fascinating, but the brain is everything. Without it, we're, you know, what are we? So mm-hmm. we have to take care of it. And because we don't have... You know, it's not like um, where your brain complains all that much, <laughs> you know. Right. So yeah. it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. We don't, we don't consider it when we think about what kind of healthy things to do, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of healthy lifestyle choices to choose because it's not a complainer. And right. we need to remember that it's there and do, and do, you know, make lifestyle choices that support it. Yeah. What would you say, this just popped in my little mind, and I want to know, would you say that the brain is one of the, I mean, it's the brain, the heart, what are the important parts of our human body that we must have functioning well to keep us healthy? Mm, Yeah. Well, there is a saying that says what's good for your heart is good for your brain. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> They're connected. Um, in, you know, think about diet and exercise and things like that. And there's yeah. also a huge, I mean, more than we've ever, we're, we're learning now every day that more than ever before, there is a huge connection between the gut and the brain. Yes, I hear that. Yes. So, so it absolutely is. I mean, we are one person. We're all connected. So that's why it's so important that we consider our brain just as, you know, as much as we consider our heart and our stomachs and, our, you know, the rest of our bodies. It is all connected. It's all one thing. But the brain is what makes us who we are. It's mm. what, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, we make choices and we, you know, it, it's our personalities and it's, it's what keeps us social. It's, it's everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So as a social person, does she, or me, does she have more active brain than a, than a person that is a recluse? Yeah, I would say so, because socialization is so much, uh, so much more important to the brain. It is such a workout for the brain. Um, if you think about it, you know, a person goes to a party and they're waiting for someone they know to show up. Uh In the meantime, they're standing there by themselves. So what do they have to do? They have to make conversation with people they don't know. They have to Mm -hmm. think about questions. They have to stand there and listen. But also in the back office of the brain, when that's happening, you're thinking about things like, okay, how much eye contact should I make? How far apart (laughs) is appropriate? You know, the personal space thing. Some people don't (laughs) have a good sense of that. Um, You know, all of this stuff. And even if you're with people that you know, Joyce, someone may say, oh, remember that vacation we took 10 years ago and you have to remember it. Or they tell a joke and you have to get it. You know, all of those things that happen during socialization. That's why socialization can be exhausting. And Mm -hmm. that's why people have social anxiety because it's hard. And not everybody has a huge talent for it. You know, some people Uh are very magnetic. And other people have a harder time with it. Yeah. But well, let me range. tell you, I've suffered greatly from COVID-19 because it's kept me inside. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I'm another reason why it's been so devastating, too. Particularly, you know, I know, like, my own mother is 92 and living alone. And it, it's been completely devastating for them. Yes, yes. Yeah. For our older citizens, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, all right, Marilyn, I want to make sure that my listeners can get to your website. So can we tell them one more time how to find you so they can take advantage of your your clarity uh, coaching call and just get some more information? So what would that be? It's com, and I'm going to spell that for you. M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S-O-N. MarilynAbrahamson.com. Dot com. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the freebie that you have offered us today, what is that again? Oh, that's the Clear Your Mind Boost Your Productivity Toolkit. And basically... Uh, the premise behind that is when you're overwhelmed, when you feel like you've got a 
huge amount of things to do. Yeah. Your mind is completely cluttered. You don't even know where to start, right? So basically yeah. what it teaches you how to do is how to almost like empty your brain onto this form, organize it, and and then sort of prioritize everything that you have to do so that you can get everything done. I like that. Yeah, I'm going that. to go get that. <laughs> Because sometimes I feel terribly overwhelmed. Yes. And what's right. nice about it is it's low-tech. It's what? It's low-tech. <laughs> Low technology. Low. It's, pa- it's paper. <laughs> oh, God. Paper and pencil. Well, I, th- I hear so many of my women friends complain about the technology world. And mm-hmm. I it frustrates. I mean... It's part of the world. Being willing to open technology, to explore it, to do something and not be afraid of it, really opens up a whole world out there. And with COVID coming in and so many of our programs coming by some of the processes on the computer, we're going to see that the computer is really going to be a major part of our life, even more than it was two months ago. For so many other people, for teaching tools, for, you know, I can even go to a museum um, through the computer and um, and visit countries and do all this other stuff. So I would think that we need that the tools that you have to give us to help us face that change that we want to be part of we really do want to be part of it we don't want to be left behind yeah i agree i do agree well so i really encourage and i know um that you may have people (laughs) i know they come and they say i just can't do the technology it's just too difficult for me but it's not (laughs) no in fact um i do i have a facebook group uh, a closed private Facebook group that is free. Ah. Uh, and I, I do these Wednesday, uh, I call them brain fog breakthrough sessions. Yes. Um, and, and I do them on Wednesdays. Now this Wednesday, tomorrow, right? That's tomorrow. I'm doing one on how, um, how the changes that we, uh, are experiencing can affect our confidence. Uh-huh. But next Wednesday, I'm going to be interviewing someone. Um, she's called an implementation coach, and she's going to teach us how to make technology our friends. <gasps> now, how do they go there? Just what is so the Facebook the, group? The Facebook group is called Reclaim Your Edge for women age 40 plus who want to be sharp and stay sharp. Cool. I think if they look up Reclaim Your Edge, there's a man's one I discovered. <laughs> I didn't know about that. There's a man's Reclaim Your Edge, but um, there's a, this edge. one is, is for women. Right. Reclaim Your Edge for women age 40 plus who want to be sharp and stay sharp. Cool. Well, Marilyn, we have come to the end of this very, very interesting hour. I thank you yeah. so much for being on my show today. And sharing You're your so wisdom. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it, Joyce. 
Yes, yes. We have lots to share. So I I want them to go to your website to find that out, to get their session with you if they feel they want to know more, and to just start brushing your teeth with your left hand, for sure. <laughs> right. That's the first thing you can do. <laughs> and walk. I'm going to be calling you when I'm walking. So. Absolutely. We'll walk together. Oh, cool. So thank you. I appreciate very much that you came on the show today and that you're willing to share all your wisdom with with my audience. I know a lot of people it's learn. A pleasure. Yes, thank you. So until next week, I say change your habits, brush your teeth with your left hand, and just see how difficult that is. But just think it's changing your brain. And it's causing new brain neural pathways to be developed that have gone dormant. So exercise is also the next thing. Anyway, we've got some things that you can go out and take action on. So please remember that while you're taking that action, you're growing your brain. And then you'll remember to be back with us next week to hear our program again and to hear someone new sharing her wisdom with you. Please go out. Please stay safe. And please remember that it's your decision how you face your life. Thank you for being here today. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.